Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Wednesday, the 9th of December. I'm Keith Lutner Smith. You are listening to the Podland Trailcasters, and here with me today, my man Chad Helm on the, uh, uh, on the east side. Where are you at now, Chad? Like, where are you currently located before the move? I'm still in Portland, St. John's. Okay, St. John's. Okay, so northwest side, not east side whatsoever. Uh, and my man out in Minnesota. Mr. Abdukalis Muhammad AQ. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, calling in from uh, Minneapolis, also Apple Valley, where our boy Gary Trent Jr. is from. That's right. That's right. I remember I remember you and uh, I think it was Tara going off on that on one of the, one of the pre-show conversations. Yeah, like he, back uh, my little brother used ago. to hoop with him a couple years back. Him, Trey, um, Trey Jones, um, and all them boys at Apple Valley High School. Uh, love it, man. Yeah, it's uh, you got you have the the the, the roots connection over there uh, in in Minnesota and in Minneapolis specifically. And we were talking too on the pre-show today. You're talking about the potential, like fingers crossed, kind of move to maybe what down in SoCal area, or I mean, do we want to get into this or or I save mean, it for another time? Sure, I'm just a little bit like I've been applying for some grad schools out in that area, so we didn't hear back um, but I might have to represent the Chalkcast crew out in uh, SoCal LA area we'll have uh, our own That's little base down there nothing wrong with that man yeah spread the spread the net somewhere spread to the stay when we come to represent yes there we go there we go like maybe the next uh, like western final the next couple of years depending I'll on what we doing LeBron don't goes. worry <laughs> no doubt, man. No, no uh, utter confidence in in your Blazer faith, without doubt. Uh, so let's start wide here. Let's let's even zoom out past Blazers as far as full NBA. I don't know about you guys. I would love to talk some trash about James Harden uh, with everything going on with him. You know, if, when we were going to do this, uh, even the other day or last week, or whatever, I thought we'd be talking about Westbrook, the Westbrook John Wall trade, and you know, we could kind of rag on that since Westbrook has had such a rivalry with Dame going on. But, man, the dumpster fire that is the Houston Rockets. Uh, if they had any hope of, of having a respectful season, I felt like it really hinged on Harden not leaving town, like kind of them you know, fixing this whole relationship. And today it was official, I believe, that Harden finally asked for a trade. Is anyone else kind of doing their little, like, you know, their, their little kind of like quiet little funk dance over there about just like, yep, you know, uh, I mean, it wasn't that like the beginning of Dame's career. The Rockets and, and Blazers set up a rivalry right off the bat. Dame's .9 shot, right? And I feel like it was even this last season that I was arguing with people about Dame versus Harden, who had the real kind of, uh, I mean, obviously Harden has stats, but who's the better leader and all this stuff. I feel like that question has kind of been answered at this point. You know, I I, I do love this uh, Rockets and James Harden demise, but the biggest thing I love about it is that it's one, playoff, one less playoff contender with Harden and Westbrook yep. gone from Houston, potentially. Uh, so we'll have, you know, one less team to battle out for these playoff teams coming down the stretch here. But absolutely, man, like, I, I despise James Harden. Like, I, his play style, not, not the person. Um, just him, just the way he's always, you know, flopping, uh, playing for the threes, dribble, 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 let me hook your arm, let me shoot. Annoying. So I'm glad he's in the East, maybe Philly, I'm hearing, on Twitter. 
Yeah, well, he, he wants Philly, but he has no leverage. He has no player option. He has no ability to get himself to Philly if the team doesn't benefit from that. And by calling that out, he kind of takes away even more leverage. Like, why would Philly give up more when they think he wants to come there? So, I mean, honestly, he's shot himself in the foot for both the Nets and for Philly. Uh, and, hey, look, I mean, Chad, I'm not trying to, you know, box you out of the conversation here. Feel free to jump in. But, I just, I, as like, Q, you mentioned... Yeah, no one likes Harden on the court. That's without a doubt. But generally, you don't want to attack someone for too much off-the-court stuff. Listen, though. With everything that we've seen from him, what, over again, over the last weekend or whatever, where he's going to the birthday party, he's not reporting to his team. He's not reporting to his job, his millionaire job, getting $45 million a year. Uh, instead, he's seen out partying at nightclubs without a mask. Uh, after the NBA has specifically put protocols out there that said, do not go to nightclubs, do not go out without masks, don't even eat at restaurants except for the ones that we say are clear and trying to eat outside if you're in a group. He broke all of that with just, like, basically just kind of, I mean, you know, for to put it in the nicest way possible, thumb in his nose at the NBA and the protocols. He's not a good person either, to be honest. I mean, that's not just NBA and the protocols. We don't need to get political, but I mean, that's just, that's just bigger issues there. Like, get political, man. Just rag on. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not, I'm just saying, though, it's, it, to me, okay, I'll, if you want to get political, it's, a, it's not political, it's opinion, right? I'll get opinion. To me, it's a pandemic. And yeah. wearing a mask it's is not even political, something it's human that, rights. that there's other countries in the world that see this as a normal reaction when something happens because they've had these things happen in the past and, and they live in a different environment. And wearing a mask isn't, hasn't been politicized. Uh, it hasn't been made, a, right. made, made an enemy. Or, or, uh, or you know, one way or another. Like it seriously says something if you choose to wear one, and it's so stupid. Um, I think, and my, and that's my view of it. So, to me, it shows a, a level of, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe you guys have a better word for it. I don't want to say anything too derogatory, but no, I think <laughs> I think he's shown like that. He, um, you know, the, maybe there's stuff that we don't know, but he's clearly shown some like lack of like insightfulness here, like. The fact that he's going to like nightclubs and stuff during you know a global pandemic and stuff like and the NBA has had protocols that will affect the whole you know Houston Rockets and the whole NBA like we're all trying to get basketball here. it's kind of going back to the bubble where everybody has to it's pretty pitch in yeah I, mean, I just it's read pretty an article. direct right yeah I mean I just read Go an ahead, article Jeff. that came out that I thought was kind of just a, a nonsense article until you pointed out that he went to a nightclub because I did not know that he went to a nightclub and it was all tweeted out. Because I think that's just yeah. like, irres irresponsibly like trying to make a point. But he also maybe he knew the protocols, and now he needs like six negative tests in a row, or uh, before he's allowed in the building to practice. I, I would love it if they do take it that seriously. I'm really waiting to see what Adam Silver does as far as punishment. Uh, I mean, it, talk about this I just said that it came like, out two hours ago. So what did that article came out two hours ago? You know what? What did we? Did the, wait, uh, sorry. Uh, did the, uh, did the article say something I, I didn't that I missed? It just said that he needs to have. He didn't show up a practice facility to get his COVID testing done. So now he has to have six negative tests before he can practice with his team. Wait, wait, wait. So all they're doing to punish him is just making sure that he passes six negative tests. That's yeah. I mean, I don't know what he means as far as Dude. punishment. Like, I think they're just making sure. If there's, I don't know. If there's anything they can do to punish him. He wasn't. They know, can find him. They, like, if if they had, if they had protocols out there talking about this man, I, I feel like they could find him. They could suspend him for games. Uh, you hold him. Well, out that, might be, game, that might be that might be something else that happened. This, what I read was just about like him needing those six negative tests before he can practice and be cleared to practice. 
So, Man. and that comes on the same day that he asks for a trade. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's clear that he wants the heck out of Houston. Interesting yeah. uh, trade that I saw on Twitter. Um, Paul George for Harden. Clippers and Rockets. They've already they've done some trades that Chris Paul traded a few years back. I honestly think if I'm I the Clippers, I consider that. I think Harden and Kawhi could be a good duo. Honestly, I, I would love this because I don't think that would be a good duo at all. I think that would ruin the Clippers. That would be awesome. <laughs> I uh, I think it would be the sleepiest offense I've ever watched. But uh, they would <laughs> score a lot of points. But I would say uh, I actually wanted to talk about that Paul George thing, and that's funny that that would happen because it comes out like a, what is it, like two weeks or a week after you guys saw that he said he wanted to like stay a Clipper and stay a Clipper, get the job done, and then Dane shouted out to him. Oh, yeah, and he wants yeah, to be a Clipper right. for life yeah. type of thing. Yeah, and he said that at every stop. He said that when he was right. with... Uh, Indiana. Indiana. Indy, yeah, and then okay, well, OKC, and then now here. No, I, oh, I think, I like, quick. if I I'm Houston, like, I kind of consider that. I don't, I don't think the Clippers would do it. I think Kawhi kind of recruited PG. But the Clippers need, you know, a ball handler. Harden can start at, set at the two next to Kawhi, give Kawhi some breathe. Because Paul George isn't really that ball handler. Kawhi really didn't have. Just, you know, interesting. I don't think it'll happen. I think Harden, I actually think there's a decent chance Harden stays in Houston and that they don't trade him. I would agree with that. For, for the record here, for the record, this is his, uh, Paul George's quotes from the last three stops he's been at. This is where my heart is. I want to retire a Clipper. That's what he said the other day, right? That was his, his line. Uh, a little while ago in Oklahoma City, I'm here to stay. We can bring this home. Okay, that's kind of vague. It doesn't really say I want to retire here or anything. But back in Indiana, my goal is to win one here. I never want to leave Indy. So, yeah. And then he uh, requested a trade out of all of those places, I believe. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't think Rockets have too much to hold on to here. I think if they could get rid of a malcontent star like Harden and get Paul George, they would love it. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, and, and you know, AQ, if, if you think it worked, you might very well be right between he and uh, Kawhi. But man, I would just, I think that any team Harden goes to right now is going to be bad. I just don't, I think that guy, I might just be able to, I'm seeing this with some rose colored glasses, man. Yeah, I, I was going to say, just Harden, Harden hasn't missed the playoffs <laughs> since what, like 2013. He's the uh, roster, the Rockets roster has been rotated. I think, I think we have yeah, to distinct between Harden, the player, and like Harden, like the guy. I, I don't like Harden, but. I won't respect that he's an all-NBA they, player. All I'm saying is that they've built the way that he has been so successful is by being basically an NBA 2K type model of player where all of it runs through him. The entire team is built around him. Everyone else is a role player. And every time you put a star with him that's not a role player, they don't like it. They want to leave. They, like every we every time he has another star next to him, they do, they don't like the way the game is played. They want to find a way out as soon as they can. So I think any team he goes to that has other stars, you send him to Philly. Even if you get rid of Ben Simmons, you're going to have to deal with he and Joel Embiid both wanting to be the center of the ball, and it's not going to work. Uh, it's not going to work in Brooklyn. They already got plenty of stars there. Kawhi and him, I you know, who knows? But this is about the most we've ever talked about the Rockets on this podcast. Uh, we should probably uh, kind of take a left turn from here. I like Russell Westbrook having no league teams. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm curious how the the Wizards will look. Who do you think is going to do better this year between the Wizards and the Rockets? Like obviously the Wizards have the Eastern Conference advantage, uh, easier competition in that sense. Who do you think ends up looking better between uh, those two teams in uh, in their in, in the overall record? I think if Harden stays, 
I think they'll both be mediocre, like thinking like around like forty wins. I could see I hardest carried some bad teams, like even worse teams, but I could see them around like maybe one or two wins from each other. I'd go to, I'd go to Houston just because I trust Harden to carry teams more compared to Russ or Beal. I don't think they've shown that they can carry bad rosters. It'll be close though, like you know, forty win teams, both of them, thirty eight. All right. Well, uh, we'll get to the Blazers' win totals eventually. Maybe we can uh, reach that into the or work that into the end of the episode here. But let's start with the roster. We've had a lot of change, and let me just—I'm going to start this off by saying uh, I went on Peeps and Plaid podcast the other day. Shout out to those guys. We're going to get them on here uh, each individually eventually. But uh, we went over just kind of Eastern Western Conference predictions, and I made an argument, obviously being a homer about this that Blazers could contend for the top of the of the West. I understand the Lakers obviously are the uh, easy favorites up front, but there's been lots of seasons where AD doesn't play long term. He even signed that whole big five-year contract saying that uh, it was because of injury. Like he basically said he's had injury history before, so he wanted to get money in there. Like Basically acknowledging he doesn't always play full seasons. Uh, I think there's a total chance for Blazers to start on top. A big part of that is the amount of value we got this season. We picked up Robert Cumpton, Derek Jones Jr., Brock back, brought back Cantor, Mello, Hood, uh, and uh, who's, uh, who's the one I'm forgetting here? Giles, Harry Giles, uh, and our draft pick, CJ Elby. All we got rid of, Trevor Ariza, Hassan Whiteside, Wenyan Gabriel, and, and a couple draft picks. Like it's, We got rid of guys who were always going to be trimming the fat, and we picked up legit upgrades at each of their positions in my opinion uh the only real thing we're lacking is a legit backup point guard but between cj and ant you really hope someone emerges there my question to you guys we can we can go in uh on each of the individuals i want to know i want to know who you are most excited about starting with you chad uh who are we most excited about on the roster whether it's one of the guys where that we've re-signed like hood mellow whatever uh, or we're talking cancer roco dj where are you at well, every year I'm typically really excited to see how Zach Collins progresses because I think he could be game changer. And I just, I mean, I, I was with you on draft night. I predicted we were going to draft him. I was excited about drafting him. That's right. Yeah. So it's hard to not go away from him. But, you know, new pennies He's tough are always, right new pennies are super shiny. And Derek Jones Jr. is a highlight reel. Um, in open court and on those alley-oops that we, we love to run alley-oops and I think that it will be really fun to start being a fan again when we can go to games yeah uh, I think I think I can't remember who it was that I heard mention this on a different podcast too but Derek Jones Jr. the effect he could have on the Rose Garden audience like with people in the building there uh, I, was it maybe you or Ty actually last time Chad that mentioned how uh a dunk can do things for a live audience that a three-point shot doesn't. Like, if he throws down a thunderous dunk, you can snuff out the other team's hopes, like, mentally, much more so than even a half-court shot from Dame could really do. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of value for him, especially when we get the live audience back in there. Uh, and even without, you know, he's a real mix-up for, for this team as far as what our roster is otherwise. So, like, he doesn't necessarily stretch the floor. Uh, any ch- do you, either of you give him any chance to develop a three-point shot? Like, is there that kind of goal here? Is he going to be a, a someone sitting over in the corner, or is he just going to be that athlete breaking to the rim? I I think like I think you could do a little mixture of both. Um, I think like our coaching staff has really developed 
a, a lot of young players, and I think he could do, he could be that dual threat. But I don't want to put too much pressure on him. You know, let him kind of develop type of thing. But yeah, I could see, I could see a little bit of both. I don't know that we need him to, but I think that if everything we know about the work habit of other people on this roster and how much they love to just ball and be in the gym, I don't think it's going to be hard for him to work on his three-point shot. You think he could? I could see him in. Uh, I mean, is it a matter of how many times, how many he puts up in a day, or is it a matter of, like, just the ability to, to, to do it? I mean, I think part of it's got to be how many he's putting up in practice or whatever, like, with the other guys, like you said. But part of it is also, like, being comfortable enough to do it in game in, in a situation where it's needed and hit, like, a shot as someone's running at him. And he hasn't. I haven't heard any quotes from Derek Jones Jr. about the three-point shot, but you've heard him say a couple things as far as wanting to be. He he aims to be a defensive player of the year. I'm not sure if that's going to happen as a forward uh, in Portland, but I mean, hey, if we're pushing for, uh, if we're going to say that this roster is built to be the max, the, like the best roster the Dame has had, and and kind of the the maximum potential that we're going to see under under Dame's kind of uh, era here. There's probably no better year for someone like him, a defensive player like Derrick Jones, to really come out and, and get some accolades. So, I'd rather him see, say that than say he was going to have set the record of three pointers. Yes, <laughs> I agree with you on that. Because dude can <laughs> block shots. Defense, man. Dude can block shots. Yeah, and he's not uh, had no, a fan base AQ. support him the way that we can. Right now, AQ, you mentioned the pressure on him. Uh, how much pressure is there on Derek Jones as far as being the starting forward? Uh, they announced that it's going to be Dame, CJ, Derek Jones, Robert Covington, and Nurk as the starting lineup. Uh, obviously, Zach Collins and Ho- um, Hood is supposed to be healthy coming back from injury. Zach Collins probably going to be a little while. But what kind of pressure are we talking about with him being put into a starting lineup right off the bat here? Like, Is this more than you think he's seen in Miami? Yeah, I definitely think he's going to get the boulder of like kind of a little similar to like a, a Minu type of role, or him and Robert Covington are really going to have to hit their open shots, um, you know, defend the other other team's best wing every night type of thing. So he'll have to bring it. Like, we all know Damon CJ, um, they can give good effort on defense, but they can be taking advantage of, especially with their um, height factor. So Derek Jones, Robert Covington, they'll have to kind of make up for that um, and give Damon CJ really that defensive help. And then offensively, hit their open shots, get off the dribble, find Nurk, uh, find a Dame CJ off the dribble, especially CJ who likes to do that. So not too much pressure, but like enough where he knows this is a playoff team. So you can't, it's not like, you know, if you're in Phoenix and you can kind of take three, four nights off a year, like you have to give it every night. <laughs> West is tough. What do you think, Chad, as far as, uh, I mean, is this a, a young guy coming into too much pressure, or do you think he's actually going to, like, we were talking about three-point shot versus defense. Is he going to kind of bloom into a, or, yeah, bloom into the, the, the true DJJ, or is this uh, maybe another player, like, where Portland's trying to develop too quick? I think they just want to have a defensive-minded person. I see it like they, I, I see it no different than they when they started Nicholas Batum when he was a rookie. He got 19 minutes, uh, but he started. And it was just to set the presence in the beginning that they had a long defender to put on somebody, um, not let the maybe guy get comfortable on the other side but it isn't I mean isn't he just uh this the other thought that I had was that maybe Hood's not right like he's not healthy yeah um or is it just that he they want him on that second unit 
I I feel like Hood's going to probably be starting at some point this season. Uh, he's probably just not quite healthy enough to be put in as the starter. But you're right, though. I mean, like even if he wasn't 100%, you would think that just getting him the minutes to start off the season, I don't know. That, that's I mean, there could be a legit point there as far as, like, maybe he's just not quite all there that uh, – that they're maybe kind of keeping a little behind the scenes as far as his health, giving him a little more time. Doesn't it say a lot about Hood, though, if he's willing to take And I mean, because starting means a lot, right, in the NBA? So if it, doesn't it yeah. mean a lot if, if he's willing to take that leadership role, the main kind of go-to guy in that second unit, and actually be the dame of that second unit, maybe? It does say a lot, actually. I mean, like especially with the fact that we know already his contract. He was here... Uh, for what was it two years already where he took let's say about half uh, the contract value that he probably should have gotten from from you know general value and it's what he's getting now on his contract and apparently there was a whole kind of handshake deal uh, behind the scenes where he said yeah I'll play for less because that's what Blazers could afford but the the deal will be that I don't take the player option and then uh, I I resign at the at full value essentially which is where he's at now with a again I think another player option on the back end but yeah, man, uh, it's he does seem to be a guy who's willing to make kind of the the team decision in a way, and and again, that seems to be kind of a theme we're talking about right now. Even with uh, we talked about it behind the scenes, not on air, I don't believe, but Dame uh, making kind of some of his calls, like talking to Cantor when he came in here. Uh, maybe I think this was maybe last time between Chad, uh, myself, and Ty. But um, yeah, as as far as uh, uh, just kind of the, the focus here really is. Not just playoffs, but winning, getting as far as they can. This is yeah. the time to do it. This is. You know, so I got a question. The I, I got a question for you, yeah. AQ, and if you can, if you can answer, and then you go into what you were going to say. Does the second unit look better with Hood on it than, than, uh, Jones? Yeah, I think I like Hood in that second, just because he can give them that shooting option that Jones kind of more spotty shooter. So I feel like him next to Dame and CJ kind of can kind of make up for that shooting. Well, second unit. Hood can kind of be that lead, potentially even lead scorer. Think about Hood, similar to Jones. Don't want to put too much pressure on Hood. He's coming off of really one of the worst injuries you can have in any sport with the um, Achilles. And uh, I'm interested to see how he, even Kevin Durant, comes back from injuries like that because I think um, DeMarcus Cousins had that injury and he hasn't really looked the same as well. So um, I like Hood in that second um, kind of lineup. I did want to say um, two players that I'm really, like, looking forward to seeing how they kind of, like, uh, go move on forward here is um, <clears throat> Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons, especially Gary Trent. We all know about the bubble. He was pretty much on the all-bubble team, the first half of it at least. Um, and I kind of want to see, you know, how much, what, like, even a bigger role he can take. And potentially, I know this is very controversial opinion, but maybe trading CJ and like having Gary Trent Jr. start at some point. <laughs> I know it's very See, it's not just me that's brought it up. <laughs> what are you going to get I, for CJ that this roster needs, AQ? Come on. I still think a four. I, I still think like Covington, he could be a four, could be could play a three, but like maybe a four or maybe another wing. Uh, I feel like we can upgrade even more than Derek Jones. He's, he's decent, but like we can get even higher. We can get a little bit better. There's nothing higher than the, the, the champion of dunks. Come on. He's got a championship <laughs> award of dunks. The, the the question here with CJ has always been, what can we get for him? Like, who is out there that has the value? that like Who, who do we see as being as valuable 
uh, as what we as what we deserve to get for this guy versus what the league maybe thinks TJ is really at. Uh, honestly, I thought if it was going to happen, I thought maybe in this offseason was kind of one of the bigger chances. We heard a little bit of the rumor with Drew Holiday before he went to the Bucks about was there maybe some sort of idea of a CJ Drew trade. I was all on board for that. Again, that's not even trying to hate on CJ, but just saying you bring in that defensive president, the, the, the defensive presence that Drew brings with pretty near the scoring totals in different ways uh, than what CJ does. If you can make that work next to Dame, that's just giving this team more of what it didn't have, the defense. But the nice part is without trading CJ, with only getting rid of, like I said earlier, Ariza and other dudes that we knew were going to be gone, Whiteside and uh, and uh, Wenyan Gabriel. Wenyan Gabriel, I kind of hoped he would stick around, but you know it was hard to find where he fit. Ariza, I thought he honestly might have been here for a little bit longer, but to have only lost those pieces and to upgrade defensively the way we did through Derek Jones and and Rocco, I am so for it, man. I am so on for this roster. Uh, there's been so many years before when you look at a depth chart, if you're saying like, okay. Small forward, we've got uh, Hood. And, you know, power forward, we had Mello at that point because Zach Collins was already injured. When you start looking at backups, you're starting to cross. Like, okay, well, we can slide a guy from small forward to power forward, or he can go one way or the other. This year's the first one. When I'm laying this out, the only position where you have a lot of crossover is CJ playing point guard when Dame's out instead of Ant because Ant's not quite ready. But other than that, man, you've got... You're too deep, uh, solid all the way through this. Uh, Cantor backing up Nurk, Mello backing up Robert Co- Robert Covington, Hood behind Derek Jones, and eventually probably ahead of him. Uh, Trent, uh, you mentioned AQ, behind CJ. And Trent, honestly, probably a candidate for most improved player. Would I be crazy for that? No, absolutely not. I think he could take a really step I could see him potentially averaging 14, 15 points as like that six man. I mean, I just think that when you close out games, if they're if they're like having him on the floor, I mean, I think we match up small ball with everybody, those three guys. I don't think you can trade CJ away, like personally. I think he's one of the most valuable pieces because I think the reason why the Golden State Warriors were so deadly is they had two guards that you could you couldn't just stop one of them. Yeah, yeah, two star and, guards. And in, if you have two offensive guards that you can rely on, Dane can walk over to the bench and get a breather, and CJ can, I mean. I wouldn't like it so much if the NBA wasn't so ISO, but we are, and they are great ISO players. Well, that, for me, that was part of the critical part of it being a, a CJ for Drew trade was it being two-star guards. The other option would be uh, in the past we've kind of dreamt a little bit about like a – I think it was Chris Middleton kind of thing uh, where it's you can still just kind of get it in for that player who's similar enough as far as position he's taking up, but just maybe a little different skill set that it gives a little bit more length, a little bit more height, a little more defense uh, than – CJ can just physically provide because that that's been the one biggest problem for us has been our our guards defense and it's not that they're not trying Dame's gotten way better but they just there's only so much you can do when you're not uh, a taller guard like Clay Thompson is and that again like you mentioned the Warriors that's been critical for their star guards too is Clay Thompson is big enough to defend a lot of other dudes who are not just a small guard well it's not just big enough it's I mean there's yeah a little bit of just yeah it's not just height right right yeah, it yeah, it's there's more the to Dame it. Gary situation, Gary Trent Jr. I think like Gary just offers that height, uh, that defense that CJ like can't really, and it's nothing against CJ, but like I think the numbers like I'll have to look them up, but the bubble numbers for the Dame and Gary uh, backcourt I remember was really nice. Um, so I want to see maybe uh, Terry Stotts run that like maybe like beginning of the second quarter or middle of the third or, you know, really whatever the different types. 
I would like to see what it was like CJ and Gary versus Dame and Gary. That would be an interesting number crunch. We can see that Thank at some you. point. Not what you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm curious if it's just Gary that makes the difference there, if it's the other superstar. Because I don't, Dame right. doesn't play a lot of D either. Well, Dame, Dame tries as hard as he can on D, man. I think his defense has improved pretty big time over the last couple of years, at least. I know, but he does get a know, little absent-minded. I mean, I'm not trying to hate yeah. on Dame. He does everything <laughs> he's else. He's not all his every, defense. He does a lot of things great, right? So I can't hate right. on the one thing he doesn't do great. I'm, and I'm not saying he doesn't get steals. And he does work really hard on ball, but he gets a little lost off ball. Okay, That's I have, no, I have the numbers. Oh, sorry. Right, okay, so um, th- this is comparing Dame with Gary Trent compared to CJ and Gary Trent. So um, let's start with minutes. Uh, surprisingly, CJ and Gary played more minutes together, uh, 762 minutes in 53 games. Uh, Dame and Gary Trent, 49 minutes in 680, or 49 games, 680 minutes. Offensive rating. Oh, okay. Uh, CJ and Gary Trent 112 offensive rating Dame and Gary Trent 119 so Dame and Gary have the better offensive rating uh, net with rating less too, CJ and Gary yeah. Trent is at a negative 1.5 net rating when Dame and Gary is at 4.4 so oh. I know what I noticed during the bubble and a little bit of last year was that that Dame and Gary Trent backcourt was nice obviously 680 minutes compared to and 762 like both need some more um, time yeah. together and those are probably early season minutes versus bubble minutes right 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 yeah so. like, I, I would definitely be curious when those minutes came like there's not 680 versus 760 is essentially what yeah. you're saying I mean that's there that's not a huge difference in the sample size but interesting that it seemed like the that that net rating that was kind of a larger difference than I expected there Hmm, curious. Yeah, um, it is curious okay, because so it would because mainly because of Gary's onslaught of points in the bubble, right? And his, and if the, a lot of those minutes came, say from January on, versus CJ's minutes came early in the season, two or three at a time when Gary wasn't getting very many. It would and, and they added up just slowly. It would be it would be interesting to see, but I didn't realize the defense disparity would be that bad. Okay, let me ask you guys a question on the roster before we move on and talk about the schedule a little bit. Uh, between the new pieces to the to the roster this year, to the lineup, and when I say new pieces, I'm not just saying uh, Rocco and DJ that we picked up, but Rocco, DJ, Cantor, Giles, and I'm going to say Hood, too. Let's throw five players in there uh, as far as who like were really not a part of the lineup last year. And, you know, I'm sorry, six. It'll be Zach Collins when he gets here as well, if you want to include him. So between Hood and Collins... DJ and Rocco, and then Cantor and Giles. Who do you think is going to be the most impactful of our new pieces in the lineup this year? AQ, what do you think? I think Robert Covington is going to be the most impactful player. Um, it's because he offers the best um, defense. He's going to be starting straight up right at the four next to Nurk. Um, I thought he looked decent um, for Houston. Didn't get to watch a lot of him in the bubble, but I'm not really taking too much from the bubble in general, um, just because of the weird circumstances. But, yeah, I think Covington can give us that defensive capability capable of the level of, like, Aminu days. Um, speaking of that, like, Aminu, he had that injury. I hope everything's well. I'll need to, like, check up and see how his recovery is doing. 
But I definitely miss that dude. Yeah, dude. Hope he's well. Uh, that's yeah. I man, defensively, I could. I would like to see. I, I wonder, is it because I said impactful as far as the question? Is that why the defense applied so much? Like, uh, or do you think Covington is going to have much impact on the off, on the offensive end, or is it mostly just the defensive side? I think he'll offer more on the defense, but his offense can it, it's here and there. Um, he can he can hit his open threes. Um, from what I've seen, like on Reddit and like NBA Twitter, um, he's like one of those really streaky shooters where he can look really nice for a couple of weeks and then. Will hit the side of the barn for a couple of games. So he does hit. He has hit prime time shots though. Yeah, right? he's hit big shots. He, he has, has hit big, shot. big shots. Chad, where are you going? Who are you looking at on the roster on the new guys? I don't know. I'm probably excited about Covington the most. Uh, as far you're going as Covington like, as well. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to go there because AP did, but I, I would have to halfway agree with him that I think I think he makes the biggest impact as far as to answer your question. I think um, I think Covington's up there in impact. I can't argue with AQ, but but who else? Like if we take him off, so off the list I'm gonna go here. back to my boy, Cantor. <laughs> I figured you're going Cantor <laughs> because I don't know what it is about the Ed Davises and the Cantors of the world, but everybody else on the team rebounds better when those guys are on the roster. And I don't know if it's because they don't ever get a rebound in practice, and so they just get humiliated and they have to work hard. Or what? But <laughs> I like that. I, I, the, the guy just makes, he just cleans up boards. You don't have to get him the ball. He's going to generate 13 points on his own. Like, just put him out there. He's going to dive into the, the stands. He's going to do whatever he has to do. He's a worker. And I think he makes the biggest impact because I'm sorry, but Whiteside wasn't working. <laughs> That's uh, Whiteside was always going to be a band-aid here, man. It's uh, he just doesn't move the same, and it's I'm super curious to have Canner back. I'm and we got Canner back for Roku less money. Looks like. Yeah, getting Canner back for less money. Uh, oh, man, there was some other aspect that I heard too because you brought that up before. Uh, but some other aspect aspect as well as far as what he had asked for when he left and when, we, when he got him back. It's a sweet deal for the Blazers, and especially because he wants to be here. I don't think he feels like he got stiffed at all. Is uh, it weird he that he knows I'm that a it's a better situation? Is it weird that I'm kind of meh on the canter? Like it? Like, no. no, you can be meh I, on no. the canter. Like it's like he, oh, like he was, you know, he was really like awesome that playoff run in 2019. He was like awesome to see him, like you know, play through injuries for the team. Like even though I usually don't like players playing through injury, I, if you're injured, you know, like I want you to be better for yourself. Um, but like he's a decent player. Um, he'll he'll offer some good stuff to us, but like I'm more hyped about. Covington, like that guy's can really like that big impact. That was a big trade, um, but Cantor, it'll be fun. We'll see. Do you think we gave up too much for Covington? We were talking about this. Um, what a reason! Two picks. I yeah. think the picks are two first round picks too. Are, they were protected as well. Yeah. Um, I think like Covington's a really good player. I think it'd be really fun for us and awesome for us. I think two. I feel like we could have gotten something or someone better, or maybe even like more than just Covington for two of them, for two first round picks. We got a lot of control of Covington, though, right? Yeah, and he's on a he's on a uh, good contract that he signed with Minnesota, I believe, when they traded him at first. So you get him for I think three more years. Um, so it's that control. Yeah, can he man. can he be part of the core of Ant and Gary and the next the next? Can he be like? 
you know, the end, of, the end of the Dame era. Oh, he is. He's, so he's, he's closer to Dame's age. Uh, but yeah. uh, still, he can fill that gap for us. It's just feels young because he doesn't feel team, like he's man. been in the league that long. And I'm looking at his contract <laughs> right now. Two, he has two more years on his contract. So this year and the year after that. Kind of makes me feel eh on the on the on the trade a little bit more, uh, but if he can be that guy that really like takes us to the next level, it's worth it. Absolutely worth it. All right, so I'm gonna add. I would. Can I ask one more question in regards to that? Because you're kind of meh on Cantor, and maybe I can switch you with if, unless you can come up with a quick answer. How many centers that were in his range that we would have been able to make the Western Conference Finals with? Um, that Western, like the Western Conference thing, I still think that run was purely based on like we got some nice matchups. And Dame got a little insane. Dame got a little insane, and then CJ got insane Dame for the Dennis series. Cantor was awesome for us, but playoff runs can be really fluky for a lot of sports. So that's why I really don't like put too much pressure on it. Man. I think Cantor will be a decent backup though. Like he can give you points. I'm not expecting yeah. too much from him. I'm definitely more excited to have him as a backup uh, than to have him having to start again. So hopefully, Absolutely. you know, we can avoid injuries uh, and and avoid COVID as well. That's the other side of this. Um, before we get to the schedule, though, like, let me just ask you guys. Neither of you brought up Zach Collins. We talked about Zach Collins earlier uh, as far as being, you know, a player that when he comes back, we both we all kind of assumed he's going to hop in to start, right? No? I mean, am I crazy? Like, are we going to... Do we assume that when Zach Collins is healthy, does Roko slide to three and Zach Collins comes in at four? Or is he going to be like a, a backup five fighting for mids with Cantor? Like, where are we putting Zach here? I think the injury is really kind of makes it a mystery. Um, I remember when we did that August um, podcast episode and I mentioned that we shouldn't put too much pressure on Collins. We don't know how he's going to come back in. I got yelled at Hey, it's fun to yell at each other, man. It's fun to yell at you for, for outrageous predictions that end no, like, like that's that's the best time to yell at you. There we go. Yeah, no, like I love Zach. I hope he comes back really well. But like <laughs> at this point right now, I think he's he's the backup four and then the third center. I think that's where he's at right now. He could play as well. He could play himself back, like to like maybe even starting uh at the four next to like we really haven't seen that because of injuries to both of them. Um, so maybe we do finally get that lineup of Zach and Nurk in that, back, in that front court. How dare you be realistic? <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay, so real quick. Imagine that lineup. So we're talking Dame, CJ, probably Rocco at small forward, Collins, and then Nurk in the front court. Uh, and then you'd have a backup of like Anthony Simons, Gary Trent, Hood and either Mello or Derek Jones and Cantor. Derek Jones probably getting left out of that one at that point. Uh, and Giles and Derek Jones, maybe just kind of that was extra pieces. That's a deep roster, man. This is a deep lineup. I'm really enjoying what the Blazers have going here. It sounds like we all are. Let's talk about what they're going to do with it. Uh, in the first preseason game coming up on Friday, fingers crossed, right? Uh, it, the, the idea is that it's going to be Friday. This has all kind of got a little asterisk on it because the Blazers reported they had the three COVID cases. Uh, one of those, it turns out, has been reported to be a player. Uh, we don't know which player yet, I believe. Uh, we might have found out today or we'll find out tomorrow, maybe. Uh, but with one player uh, uh, testing positive for COVID, uh, we're assuming they'll be held out, and that's how we will know who it is. 
how are we feeling about the first preseason game Friday? Again, we got, I think, back-to-back games against the Kings on the on Friday and Sunday. And then we move on to Denver uh, later in the week uh, for two games as well before the season starts. I, or maybe, I don't, would you prefer the question of, uh, let's make a bet on who, the, who, who tested positive? Who is the player that's going to be held out of practice? Are they going to actually release that information? I was wondering if that was something that we were keeping close to the chest or not. So, I think I saw it from Jason Quick. He... I can't remember exactly what the report was, uh, but it they know of the three positive tests. I really like the idea of Zach Collins. I don't know how Zach Collins doesn't start if he's healthy enough to to do the role because I think that moving Covington three makes that lineup really good. And okay, take up a little bit more of time. How how did Harry Giles pick this squad? Like I don't. Where does he play? Harry Giles is going to be an extra piece, man. Like I, yeah. I, I want him to fit in somewhere, but I feel like he's just almost insurance. Uh, he and DJ, it, once I mean, Collins is healthy, he and DJ are both probably insurance. We have 11 man. guys without Giles. You only need five on a yep. quarter of the time. <laughs> Terry's not great at like this whole minutes thing either. He does it a weird. It does a weird rotation where he's just going to give like 20 to a guy for a week, and then he's going to give 20 to the next guy for a week. Okay, so here we go. This actually might have happened already. Uh, This actually might have happened already. Uh, We saw from Jason Quick uh, earlier in the week, Terry Saw says one of the three positive tests in Blaze's organization was a player. The plan is for the team to have the first practice on Tuesday. I think that has since changed. Uh, I don't think they had practice because of all this. Uh, But Quick goes on to say, three players will be unavailable for the first practice. The player who tested positive... Zach Collins with his ankle injury, and Yusuf Nurkic, who just arrived on Sunday. Okay, so preseason question, I guess, is back to what we're saying. Two games against the Kings, two games against the Nuggets. Uh, how many How many do we win? How do we do out of four games for the preseason? I feel like we're really, really good at, like, preseason stuff. I know the last couple of years. So and we have <laughs> good depth, so we'll probably, we'll probably, like, go, you know, three, three out of one, or three out of four, we'll probably win. Yeah, I think we have fun playing basketball, so we tend to put out more effort than other teams that are going to work. I'm I, I'm curious with the preseason because I, I feel like with the, the depth that we have this year on the roster, you're not going to see much of the starters. In, or, I mean, you know, you'll see Rocco and DJ, but you're not going to see Dame, CJ, and Nurk out there too much, if at all, uh, for much run. And like, they're probably just trying to get the other guys warmed up. So I don't know. That might cost us on the win-loss record. Uh, did you both go three wins? I'll go two and two. And yeah, I hate three, you for uh, making four. me be the negative one. Oh, man. And who do we have? I'm sorry. You're going to have to tell me. We have two, you said the Kings twice? Uh, two against the Kings and then two against Denver. Oh, and they're um, both... Uh, these are... Uh, the Kings are here in Portland and then it's two in Denver. We're sweeping all that, man. We're sweeping. Chad says sweeping. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I'll, again, I uh, you guys suck for making me be the negative one, but I'll go two two. AQ, you're at three one. Chad, Harry Giles will be the MVP of the preseason. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. Well, hey, if we end up three one, AQ, you got to come back and, and celebrate <laughs> again. Okay. So the the jersey thing. It's Mello did ask. He he had a Zoom press conference where he said something about. Yeah, I I need that number seven because it's been part of his brand, right? He's had like stay mellow with the me seven o, 
but he said at one point, we need a petition for that. We need, I need that, we need that to happen or something like that. Uh, and fans lit up. They were, fans were not into, into Mello wearing brand Roy's Jersey. Uh, I'm not even sure where I stand on this man. Like it's Jersey numbers are a weird thing as far as being retired and like no one else can wear it. There's only so many double digit numbers or single digit numbers, uh, before you have to start getting crazy. If you retire too many of them, I, it's, it's odd, but, the the biggest twist is that Roy then came out I think yesterday saying it would be an honor for Mello of uh, a, a future like first ballot Hall of Famer to wear number seven to wear his jersey I think we should let him have it so Roy has endorsed Mello wearing it and I think that kind of ends the conversation <laughs> that's all it takes right <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's pretty much the end of it uh, but. I don't know. Like, are either of you bothered by that? Is it going to irk you to see? I've got a Brandon Roy jersey hanging in the closet, and I love wearing that thing every now and then. It's a, it's very comfortable. It's a different cut because it's an older jersey than the ones they have now. Uh, but is that going to bother you guys that you're going to see like a, a Carmelo in number seven? Well, I I have absolutely no problem with it. I I don't even like the idea of retiring jerseys. Like, there's not a lot of jerseys to wear, anyways. There's other ways to symbolize like the greatness of somebody to your franchise in any sport. So yeah. I have no problem. I love Roy. That's not going to take away from Roy. Um, so it's the whole thing is dumb right. anyways. Exactly. Melo doesn't want to wear it. Let's move on. Do a ring of honor. <laughs> do something like that. Yeah. You know, do a hall or something. Put something in the stadium that makes gives fans something to look at. Put their jersey up there. It doesn't have to be a retired number. Retired numbers are silly. I can't remember who pointed this out before either, but uh, there's other sports. I think it's rugby that – the number is more about your position. Like a different player will wear the same number each year if the roster changes. Uh, so it's like the number is not at all tied to the person's name on, on the jersey. And I think in the same way, though, a lot of those jerseys, it's not about selling the name on the back. It's about the team jersey you're wearing. Well, NFL, uh, the NFL, it is. Numbers represent positions. That's why you don't see. Yeah, like yeah. That's, for, that's for the referee's sake. Different people catching the ball. Um and they don't retire numbers. They put people in rings of honor or the ring of, of honor thing, yeah, or yeah hall exactly. of hall of something rather. But also because it right. gives the fans something to, else to look at. It's an easy like memorabilia hall for them to sell as part of their package of coming to the arena and having this experience. I mean, I would eat that up. Yeah, it is kind of weird, honestly. Like, it wouldn't be hard to do a Ring of Honor or Hall of Fame or anything you want to say like that, as far as you know, Hall of Legends kind of thing for uh, yeah. your your team's famous players. Uh, and then you're not limited not limited to not wearing 23 because Michael Jordan wore 23 kind of thing or whatever. Uh, I mean, in 50 yeah, years uh, in 50 years is the number 23 going to matter to Chicago or 150 years? <laughs> and again, how many players can you? Yeah, it is. That's it. All makes sense. Okay, real quick before we get out of here, they have released the first part of the season schedule. Uh, the important dates, the, the, December 22nd, the season begins. They've released it up to March 5th, which is when the All-Star break happens. If you go past that, we know the play-in tournament between the 7th through 10th seeds will be May 17th through 21st, and the playoffs start on May 22nd. When we get to the playoffs there, or when, when we get to the play-in tournament there on May 17th, what are your guys' predictions as far as the Blazers' position in the standings and uh, overall records? AQ, I want to hear from you first in this. Where are you yeah. at? Um, one thing to note, 72-game schedule. 
this year. Right, shorter games. I'm shorter playing season. on the winning percentage calculator right now. Um, I have us at 45 and 27, um, so about a 62.5% win percentage there. Um, I think we're gonna be. They'll be about fourth or fifth seed. Um, I have. I have Lakers, Clippers, uh, and Denver as really the only three concrete teams that are better than us um, and that have like more depth than us. So I have us at 45-27, I would say fourth seed, and I don't think we'll be doing any um, tournaments or playing tournaments like that. That's for like Houston and like Memphis and San Antonio. And for the record too, you said, uh, uh, what was the win total at 45? 45, 45 and 27. In a 72-game season, that you said is about 62%. So that's like a 50 or 51-game, uh, 51, 50 or 51-win season on an 82-game season. Yep. Just for like people's kind of you know understanding of translation as far as where you're putting that. Because uh, I don't want anyone to be offended by you saying they're only going to win 45. Like you said, it's a 72-game season that does kind of change it up a lot. It's about 51 and, you, and, and 31 saying, season uh, in an 82-game. season. Yeah, there you go. And and right in the middle of the. Who, and who are the three teams you're putting ahead of them? I have Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets, the only three teams that I think are better as of right now in the Western Conference. How dare you? <laughs> you think the right, Nuggets have a better bench? I, I just really rate Jokic really high, um, and I think any team he's on, like, they'll be good. They'll be Perfect. Yeah, I agree. Playoffs. Like, he's that good. I think he's better than Embiid and Carlton Towns. Absolutely. Chad, where are you at? What do you think? I would, I mean, I would, it's hard to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> About in the same range? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I haven't got, I haven't really had a chance to do the calculations to really, like, figure out and go through the schedule. I was looking at it earlier, and um, and I kind of saw, kind of got an idea of, of what I thought. And I, I, I guess it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a Homer fan, and I want to always be on the, the good side of things, but... I would say that that 45 win range seems about right. I think we could win. I think we could win 50. Um, but in a normal, it season. wouldn't surprise me to win 40 either. Oof. And it's yeah, a weird I mean, it's, season. It's, it's a be... weird season. It's a weird season. It just you just yeah. don't know. Like we could lose Dane for two weeks or whatever. You know, you never right. know what what's going to happen. Well, we lose three guys for two weeks. Are, are they going to push them back like the NFL? It's just I don't. You know. And that's the thing, too, is I don't, to be honest, I don't think the NBA has even set out their protocols for how many games uh, players will have to miss. It hasn't I mean, been exactly contact, specified. Isn't that like your entire team? Right. Well, and that's the thing is like they, when the difference with uh, with football playing two to three games a week with the way the schedule is now, even including like Tuesday football uh, or even other sports, you play every other day in basketball. So if they have a positive test on someone, and you go back for even like seven to f- 10 or 14 days, whatever you want to say, as far as trying to contact trace where they could have been, it's basically the whole league at that point, or it's half the league, and then the people they've contacted is the rest of it. Right? So this season, not only is the West extremely tight and competitive between the, the top end, I don't think there's a whole lot of people. You could say the Lakers are probably the outright front runners, yes, but there's a lot of things that could change very quickly beyond the normal injury span that we always talk about on any other season. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that could really mix things up and it could change fast for teams with, with COVID and everything going on here. Uh, I also think that Clippers I, got worse. Yes, there you go. 
I think that's that's. I don't know point. that they got much worse, but I think they got worse. I think uh, I I don't think they got better. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, I mean, did they uh, slide th from two to three? And then you know. Well, okay. So the the other thing I want to consider with this though too, if we are talking about not just injury but a shortened condensed season there's gonna be more kind of like regional games it's gonna be a change from what the players are used to if they've been there for a while uh and even as far as covid and trying to avoid that trying to make sure everyone stays healthy and safe not having a teammate like james harden that we referenced earlier who's gonna go out to clubs and just be ignoring all the protocols and endangering all of his teammates and anyone else who's around them i think a weapon the blazers have here is their chemistry is the tightness kind of the 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 family knit network that we have going uh, that Dame has kind of built here. And I mean, on one hand it's been Dame, on the other hand it's been kind of a Portland centric kind of thing. I'm not saying other teams don't have it as well, but it's been a real focal point for, for this team building. And I do think right now with the way things are going, the same way that we saw in the bubble, the team chemistry and the closeness was a factor for these teams when they had to be staying in a hotel and kind of a change in situation when they couldn't go home uh, and have their own personal space to kind of decompress. I think we're going to see more of that this season, and I would not be surprised to see Blazers in those top couple spots. You guys are both haters sitting there in the middle. You're you're crazy, but uh, I'll allow it too. It's it's okay. I'm just I'm I'm trying to get trying to get hyped, man. It's I'm ready for this. I think this is going to be the season, the season for the Blazers. And if they're going to make something happen, uh, I mean, we could do it from the fourth or fifth spot, but don't be mad if they do it from the second. I don't I don't think we're in the fifth spot. And I definitely, all my homerism wants to say, because the Clippers got worse and I think our bench is better than Denver, I think we can actually pull that off, that two spot. I wouldn't be surprised either. I, yeah. We have good depth. We have players that usually are healthy, Dane and CJ. Um, so I, and, you know, Clippers, they like to rest Kawhi a lot. Lakers are probably gonna wrestle LeBron a lot. Like it wouldn't if you told me the Blazers got the first seed, I would not be shocked at all. Like it would take a lot for that to happen. But realistically, I'm thinking top three is what like oh. where we'd be at. I mean if we have a tie record, we're gonna have a better record through the season against them head to head because we'll play bigger those games. They'll matter more to us. They'll wait till the playoffs. Right, yeah. And LeBron, he doesn't care about the regular season. He hasn't cared about it since, like, 2014. Yeah. He learned. I mean, does Jokic make up for, like, us being able to just rotate three guys at him? Man, Jokic is too good. Like, I, I stopped doubting that guy. I remember, I think the game was when he single-handedly took us to uh, overtime. I think it was, like, game three or four against us in 2019. And he scored like nine buckets in a row or something. I was yeah. like, this guy's insane. So I don't even think it matters who who's guarding him. Like he single handedly made Montrez Arrow like get a one year contract. Cause that guy was looking like he was gonna sign a three year contract and now he's gunning for a one year to re up his value because of yeah, like a chat. I don't doubt that guy. I do doubt Denver's depth though, compared to us. They let uh Grant go. That was a big that was a big thing. Grant was real nice for them. So I think we could take a step on Denver. But as of right now, I'll give it to them because they've they've shown it. What about Clippers staff? Then you know they're gonna take a lot. Clippers do have a new coach, Ty Lu. That could be another thing too. We have that continuity that a lot of other teams don't. So again, if you told me Blazers are the second seed or first seed, I would not be shocked at all. Yeah. Get him.
<laughs> I, just want, I just want to keep to feel better about, you know, we're still, it's still a possibility. You guys all talking over here. All these other teams could do it. And it's like, no, Blazers could do it. This is our time. This is our season to do it. Yeah. <laughs> we also right, just well, have those random uh, games where we lose to, like, the, you know, New York. It's going to start with a... It's it's gonna start with this uh this 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 uh, half court shot thing with Dame and Steph. They had the little challenge like Steph called out Dame for like let's take half court shots in the first couple games of the season. You're gonna see Dame pull up in like his first possession. He's gonna pull up in the first quarter of the first game from half court and he's gonna make it. Uh, and that's gonna be just like the the, the sign of the season. It's just gonna go that way for the rest of the year. Seventy two games of Dame hitting from half. I court. say he does logo <laughs> Lillard from the other side of the logo. Oh, what is I that? Like Sixty-five feet away from the rim. <laughs> I guess it depends on what logo he's sitting on, but yeah. Yeah, that's also true. I'd be down for that. Him and All right. Dame have that, to, or him and. Steph I think that, that I just his showmanship. I think he's not going to go half court. I think he's going to go past half court. I don't know we'll where that full. is, but. <laughs> I like it. I could see it. Uh, yeah, I just I want I just want him to hit, get it before Steph. The Warriors aren't going to do anything this year, so so we need that fire. We need that to kind of light the guys up and, and just go for it. Are they going to uh, just wait till January first, though? Wait till January first for what? Oh, to the Warriors that. and Blazers. They get, to, they get to just play each other on January first and January third, back to back. Oh no, no. I I think the deal was uh was doing it in the first couple games. I think they really? said uh, their their whole thing is just trying to light it up in the right in the beginning. So I'm saying Dame game one quarter one. He he just takes it from half and he's going to sink it. So. Yeah. Uh, he's. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I think he's got this in the bag. That's gonna be the season. Off if they win the tip off. <laughs> uh, well, cool guys. That's all I had for you. Thank you both, uh, Chad and AQ, for for joining me today, uh, talking through the. We did a nice deep dive on the roster, a little preview on the on the preseason and a little bit into the season, which we have plenty more time to get at in future weeks. Uh, AQ, what's the what's the Twitter handle you got right now? Yeah. Uh, at um, Abdikalis, A-B-D-I-Q-A-L-I-S. Um, barely tweet these days, um, but, you know, always have some fun tweets, so follow me. Follow me on IG, too. Same app. I'm with you, man. I don't, I don't do a whole lot on there anymore at this point. You can find me on Trailcasters. Find him on Abdikalis. You can find Chad. Somewhere. We're gonna get a. We're gonna, I'm gonna make you start working the Trailcasters account. Maybe like, then we can just be like, find chat on Trailcasters, and I might. Yeah, send it, send it to Keith if you want to. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you both for for everything. Uh, please, listeners, write us anytime about anything you have on your mind, specifically Blazers. Any of these thoughts come up this season, let us know at Trailcasters on Twitter. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Chad and AQ. Thank you to Odar for these fat beats. Thank you to our sponsor, Clearly Speaking. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Ripsky basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. And thank you, Q, for getting here.